0: Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. Here we bring together different guests from across the diocese and Anglicanism worldwide to discuss topics that matter for you and your ministry and life today. I'm Julian Dobbs, the Diocesan Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. And today it's my great pleasure to introduce the Reverend Canon Dr. Philip Ashey. Uh, I'm going to tell you about him. He's a personal friend. Phil, it's great to have you on this program. Thank you, Bishop. It's an honor to be with you. Phil is the president and chief executive officer of the American Anglican Council. He grew up in a Christian family, gave his life to Christ in 1968. I was just in diapers then, uh, yeah. Phil, and only just. Um, a graduate of Stanford and Loyola Law Schools, served as the Deputy DA in Orange County, California, uh, ordained to the priesthood in 1988, uh, spending 20 years leading congregations of all sizes in California, Virginia, and Pittsburgh. Uh, Phil Ashey's focus and passion is to develop biblically faithful leaders at all levels of the Church, both in North America and around the Anglican Communion. In 2015, Phil received his LLM in Canon Law from Cardiff University in Wales in the United Kingdom and now serves as Special Counsel to the Archbishop of the Anglican Church in North America. Advisor to the GAFCON Primates leads the Lawyers Network, both in ACNA and in GAFCON, He's also the author of Anglican Conciliarism: The Church Meeting to Decide Together, published in two thousand and seventeen. He's also a friend, Phil. Again, great to uh, have you on the program. Tell us just briefly: um, you grew up in a Christian home. Is that in that context? Is that how you came to faith in Christ?
1: Yeah, it it, it was, Bishop. And you know, um, I I can look back at three things that really led me to Christ. One was uh, when I was growing up, my mom, especially, I mean, I loved my dad. He was a priest and and, uh, uh, just a wonderful role model. But it was my mom that really taught me the Bible and read me from the Chronicles of Narnia and prayed with me at night. And uh, when I was uh, six, or when I was sick, uh, she would... Um, lay hands on me for healing. And uh, it was a very powerful uh, witness to God's love. And then when I was about eight years old, we went to a a very Pentecostal church and I'd never seen anything like it. And I saw uh, a lady who was very arthritic uh, walking forward. And the only prayer I knew to pray, which was from the, the prayer book, was Lord have mercy. And I had a mm, terrible mm. stigmatism at that time with Uh, glasses the thickness of the bottom of an old coke bottle could never read the hymns up front and uh, by golly when I prayed that quick prayer I felt a a bolt of power go through me and my eyes focused uh, enough for me to see the hymns on the board not a complete healing but enough to get my attention and um, uh, watching my parents and their witness uh, the way that they reached out to particularly lost and runaway kids in uh, California when we were growing up, I just found that uh, uh, it made sense when um, when a wonderful couple came to visit, Dennis and Rita Bennett, um, on a Wednesday night, and they preached a wonderful sermon. And I remember Dennis Bennett saying, Jesus will be your friend and he'll never let you down. And I said, sign me up. So
0: that was it. Uh, Thanks be to God. And these years later, uh, you continue to walk with Jesus. Uh, You've been a great friend and are to me. Phil and I have had the uh, opportunity to travel the world together, um, uh, even to such beautiful places, um, Phil, as New Zealand.
1: Yes. Um,
0: And we might pick that up a little bit later in our conversation. We've done so because uh, we love Jesus and we love his church. And we find ourselves ministering together in the Anglican Church. Yeah, uh, Phil, tell us tell us a little bit. Explain to us um, what is the Anglican Communion. We hear about forty provinces.
1: Yes. Um, wh- what is that? Well, you know, um, Bishop, as you well know, it's the Church of England that has become global, and of course, you know, we we think back to those wonderful reformational roots the 39 articles the the three catholic creeds small c uh the um the authority and clarity of the bible uh, the great anglican formularies the 1662 book of common prayer this is what it means to be an anglican today is to walk within those wonderful guardrails of truth and um you know the the English missionaries went out from the u k mm. places like Uganda and Kenya and Tanzania to South America the Falkland islands uh, uh, to uh, to places far away places like Singapore and Hong kong in New and, Zealand and in even New Zealand even New Zealand as far away as New Zealand practically at the bottom of the world and you know they took the faith with them, and they, uh, you know, they they raised up indigenous leaders, and eventually, after World War II, all of those churches that were colonies of uh, of England, with the exception of the United States, which of course had come to its senses long before then and and thrown off the oppression <laughs> uh, at, at the Revolutionary War. But but of course, on a more serious note. You know, after World War II, so many of these churches—Uganda, Kenya, um, churches in Africa, Singapore, Southeast Asia, New Zealand—much uh, earlier, of course, they they became autonomous or self-ruling, and so we now have forty of these. Um, in addition to, so thir- I guess it would be thirty-nine. In addition to the mother church, the Church of England, national, regional. Uh, churches uh, that rule themselves, but find a uh, a heritage in that English Reformation, and are in communion with the See of Canterbury, and it's a it's a global church. Um, to be an Anglican today, an average Anglican would not be someone like you and me who come from. More developed nations, but probably from a place like Nigeria. And uh, at a much younger age than you and I, and with much less uh, financial resources, that's the, the typical Anglican today, uh, where the church is growing very quickly.
0: Now you've you've talked about um, those provinces being in communion with the Sea of Canterbury as a unifying factor, but in fact, before that, you reference something very important, which is uh, uh, while the Sea of Canterbury and the historical place of Canterbury in global Anglican will always be important, in fact, unity uh, in, in in Anglicanism really is in those doctrinal positions in the faith once for all entrusted to the saints as this church receives it. Yes. Um that that you talked about being the missional context of of the Church of England global. Yes. And and uh there is there is, uh, there is a, a a conversation happening today about what does it mean to be anglican and who is anglican right. um and some people say well it's, it's everything to do with canterbury you and i might say and and, and you correct me if if i have an overemphasis here the see of canterbury of course is important uh for the very reasons you've discussed, but in fact, it's it's the faith we have received in Anglicanism that unites us together.
1: That that's right, Bishop, and you and I know well that for oh gracious, you know, over over a hundred years, we I, I think people looked at uh, Canterbury as the touchstone because we assumed we all believed the same things. Uh, the churches overseas. Looked at the Mother Church and said, Well, you know, they brought us the Bible. They brought us personal faith in Christ. They brought us the 39 articles and the creeds and the 1662 Book of Common Prayer and its ordinal and uh, what we describe as that faith once delivered to the saints in Jude 3. And for uh, really all the way up until uh, World War II, that was a safe assumption to make, but uh, but after World War II and particularly in the, the late fifties and early sixties, um, the faith in places like the Church of England, uh, with bishops like uh, John A T Robinson, and then in the United States, with bishops like James A Pike, began to actually repudiate the essentials of the faith, things like the divinity uh, of Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, his physical resurrection from the dead, and the trustworthiness, clarity, and authority of the Bible. And these churches drifted, uh, particularly in the West, and uh, it, it is only as a result of that drift manifesting itself Uh, in these last 25 years in areas of human sexuality, marriage, and leadership in the church, that we've become aware of the acute crisis of false teaching and lack of discipline within the Anglican Communion.
0: Phil, um, one of those provinces, a very strong province that's had an influence on you and potentially an even greater influence and impact on me, is the Church of Nigeria Anglican Communion. Yes. Yes. Uh, that purports to be the largest Anglican province of those thirty nine in the communion. My fault, um, yeah, yeah, twenty to twenty five million oh. potentially Anglicans worshiping on a Sunday morning enormous, and obviously uh, being a bishop who was elected and consecrated in that province, uh, uh, I have a, a very dear place in my heart for for that province. In two thousand five, um, the Church of Nigeria um, changed its its constitution. Uh, it's canons, it's it's yeah. governing documents, um, and deleted uh, from those go- documents the phrase communion with the See of Canterbury, yeah. uh, and they were deleted. And, and 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 I said this in my pastoral address last year to the missions conference and synod of our diocese. Um, the Church of Nigeria says that she is now in communion with all Anglican churches. I'm quoting dioceses and provinces that hold and maintain the historic faith, doctrine, sacrament, and discipline of the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. Correct. Now, I would say that the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word is a diocese that upholds and maintains the historic faith, doctrine, sacrament, discipline of the One Holy Catholic Apostolic Church. I would say that about the Anglican Church in North America. But we can't say that, tragically, uh, about all of the provinces of the Anglican Communion, we we are divided. Yes. And so
1: so tell us why we're divided. Well, we're divided. I think that the presenting issue um, would be human sexuality, and I've 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 spoken about this. Um, you know, it gets all the attention, and it's uh, goes back to a wonderful analogy that Kendall Harmon once uh, once did about an iceberg. You know, what sank the Titanic was not what they saw on the surface. They did make some correction yes. moves, but it was what was below the surface that ruptured the Titanic and sent it to the bottom of the sea. What's below that um, uh, t- tip of the iceberg, if you will, which is the, all the issues of human sexuality, uh, homosexuality, lesbianism, same-sex marriage. um... And the ability now to define oneself any way that you want. Uh, Below that are layers of Christian essentials, the doctrine of creation. What did God create and bless? Did He create and bless these um, expressions of sexuality that are multiplying daily on Facebook? Did and, and then below that, there's the whole issue of what is marriage? And what did God ordain? Well, it's pretty clear in Genesis. And below that, what does the Bible have to say? Of course, the authority and clarity of the scriptures are absolutely paramount, according to Anglicans. And below that, who gets to decide? Can any one province or diocese decide what the Bible says or doesn't say? And finally, what is the gospel that we're actually supposed to communicate? Uh, Is it Come to Jesus any way you want and stay the way you are, or is it come to Jesus as you are? He welcomes everybody and let him change you from the inside out. It's the faith once for all
0: entrusted, which you have uh, rightly reminded us from uh, Jude, uh, that little bite sized book before the book of Revelation. Uh, That once for all entrusted doesn't mean once upon a time. It's not a fairy story. It's it's once and for all. It's the same once, in fact, that's used to describe the death of Jesus. It happened once not to be repeated. The Bible's been given to us. It's entrusted to us. Uh, We're not at liberty to go beyond it or to run ahead of it, to change it. Uh, In fact, we are to receive it and uh, joyfully submit uh, to it. Phil, um, this division, this separation uh, uh, in the Anglican Church, people talk about us being schismatic. and, And I think that's sad because what we are really is being faithful uh, to 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 the Word of God, to Christ himself, to the church to which we belong, um, upholding the faith we have. It has caused division. Uh, but as a result, a group was formed called the Global Anglican Future Conference. We refer to it now
1: as GAFCON. Right. And, and their vision is to do what? Well, their vision, uh, I think it was captured very well in... Um, in Jerusalem, 2018 is to proclaim Christ faithfully to every nation, to all the nations. And in a sense, if you if you think about the problems in the Anglican Communion today at the global level, being two deficits: one, the gospel deficit, that is false teaching from the highest levels in certain Anglican churches on things like the Bible, uh, the divinity of Jesus, um, his uh, his lordship. Um, GAFCON addresses that gospel deficit. And then, in terms of the lack of discipline, we'd call that the ecclesial deficit, the inability for the existing structures of the Anglican Communion at the global level to ever say no to false teaching. GAFCON has said no to false teaching, and it has authenticated and recognized biblically faithful Anglicans in places like New Zealand where they needed to have a differentiation, a, a different church than the existing Anglican church that had compromised with the culture and abandoned the biblical faith. So
0: what what do we say then to those who say, oh, you guys in Gefcon, and, and the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word is a diocese of Gefcon. We belong to the Anglican Church in North America, a province of Gefcon. What do we say to those people who say, you guys in Gefcon look you're not quite anglican
1: well that's that's poppycock I mean, <laughs> I mean i'm sorry but uh we're we're more anglican actually than they are uh they've hijacked it uh and diluted the brand if you will by saying as essentially the uh, archbishop said in the in the press conference at the recent primates meeting in Jordan, that so long as you are in communion with the See of Canterbury, you can believe whatever you want as an Anglican. And that's Cranmer, Latimer, and Ridley burned at the stake for, for standing for what they did, would, are spinning in their graves at such ridiculous statements.
0: At the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, we're here to equip and edify your walk with Christ. We're working to develop new resources like this podcast, and we trust that you've found this ministry to be a blessing. To find out more about our ongoing ministry of the diocese, including details of our upcoming 2020 Missions Conference and Synod, visit us at adlw.org. And as always, share this podcast with your friends and subscribe on the podcast player of your choice. I'm talking to Canon Phil Ashe of the American Anglican Council, who serves as uh, advisor to uh, Archbishop Foley Beach, uh, a personal friend and colleague of mine. Phil, you referenced a meeting in Jordan and you spoke about primates. Uh, Very briefly, what are primates and what were they doing in Jordan?
1: Well, um, Bishop, primates are the principal bishops of a national or regional church, like Uganda or Nigeria or ACNA. They're often called archbishops. Sometimes the word primate is used or moderator. Um, And presiding bishop is another uh, phrase. Right, right, presiding bishop. So they are the heads the senior bishops, if you will, uh, principal bishops of uh, of these 40 provinces. And uh, they are one of a number of what we call instruments of the Anglican communion. Uh, and they meet um, on, that's supposed to be on a regular basis, but it's really more occasional. And in this case, they just met in Jordan to prepare for the Lambeth Conference of Bishops meeting uh, in uh, july twenty twenty um, just coming up
0: okay now he- here 's something interesting that I want you to help us to process we've talked about a group called Gafcon uh, global Anglicans coming together around the faith the church has received, faithful to the bible we 've talked about a group of primates or or principal archbishops meeting together in Jordan and the the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury saying, well, you know, so long as you're in the sea, in communion with the Sea of Canterbury, you can believe whatever you would believe, you know, it's up to you, which of course is something that that breaks our heart. Right. But there were some GAFCOM primates at that Jordan meeting, how so? And what message does that send?
1: Well, um, I believe that um, there are, well, let me back up and say, You know, in Jerusalem 2018, in the letter to the churches, we pledged not to go to such meetings until the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church of Canada and others had repented. But apparently there were some who felt, even though they stood up and assented to that, that uh, they needed to go and make a witness uh, at the primates meeting. And so they decided to go. uh, we had GAFCON bishops from Chile and South America, and Kenya, um, South Sudan, uh, Congo, um, and and you know I I understand the desire to go and be in a in a theological environment and in a meeting. Where you are there as a minority voice to make an objection to what's going on, but unfortunately, that's not what happened from all the evidence that we have um, so so phil is
0: it is it possible then you and I have attended some of these meetings on the sidelines uh, yeah. over the years we've been privileged in many respects to stand alongside. Uh, some of the courageous Anglican bishops, archbishops, and lay leaders who have been in these events, trying to call for repentance, trying to bring the Anglican communion back to that very Reformed faith that you spoke about earlier—the yeah. faith of 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 the Reformation, the Scriptures that have been entrusted to us—is
1: um, it possible to walk together in that sense? No, I don't believe you can walk together. It's the, what it says in Amos. Chapter three, how can two walk together if they be not agreed? And we don't agree with uh, with what the uh, many in the Church of England, the Mother Church, are now permitting uh, in terms of the blessing of same-sex unions and their definition of what it means to be a human being we don't agree with what has been done in the Episcopal Church uh, in terms of its redefinition of the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, so how can we possibly walk together with them? And that's why we formed the Anglican Church in North America. We couldn't any longer agree with what the Episcopal Church was doing. And so we sought refuge in other Anglican churches like Nigeria and Uganda. Um, so it's. If 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 Anglican uh presiding bishops and archbishops and primates and moderators in GAFCON are gonna to go to make a witness, what I've written about this week is, well then surely go and make a witness. But if you're going to do that, prepare yourselves, have people there to help you with the um preparation for the what you're gonna to need to say. Be sure you get on the agenda, and if you're you're shut down, as often happens in these situations, then make sure that gets on the record, and for heaven's sakes, make sure that you make a statement at the end of that meeting that says what actually happened. Now, we saw this, Phil,
0: uh, at a meeting you and I were at a number of years ago down in New Zealand, where what's called a, a, another instrument of communion, the Anglican Consultative Council, was meeting. Yes. Uh, courageous leaders of GAFCON yes. um, came together, made that sort of statement, uh, absented themselves from breaking bread at the yes. Lord's Supper at Holy Communion. Yes. Um, uh, and yet, um, there, there 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 does seem to be uh, some level of energy and uh, desire, both amongst bishops and some archbishops, uh, priests, uh, even in evangelical communities, to say, "Look, let's try and be as inclusive as we can be, because that's what Jesus' love is all
1: about." Um, what what say you to that comment? Well, you know, I go back to. John Chapter Eight, I think it is um, you know, with the woman at the well, Jesus was incredibly generous in standing up for her and uh, asking you know whoever has um, is without sin cast the first stone uh and and eventually when everybody walked away, Jesus turned to her and said you know, where are your accusers? Well, uh, they're no longer here. Uh, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. There's generous love and transforming love and forgiveness from our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, but there's also a call to holiness and to right living before him. And that that peace is what so many uh, what I'd call progr- self-styled progressives, uh, I'd call them revisionists, theological revisionists, uh, continue to ignore. Uh, and, you know, this is at the peril of people's salvation. Um, so it's, it's a very grievous problem. And as you and I remember from our time at that ACC meeting in Auckland, it took a lot of work on our part to stand by our faithful friends from Nigeria and Kenya uh, and to give them the talking points and to, to help them at the very end uh, write that statement that said this is what really happened. Can
0: two walk together unless they are agreed. This is so, so important. And Canon Phil Ashey, with whom I'm speaking, has reminded us as Christians that there is a time for us to draw a line in the sand over matters of faith, particularly when those matters of faith involve the eternal destiny of ourselves and others. We simply can't turn a blind eye and say it doesn't matter. It does matter. We simply can't excuse false teaching in the church. Uh, Our forebears are bishops whose shoulders I'm unworthy to stand upon Cramner and Latimer and Ridley went to the grave, the martyrs of Uganda and others throughout history who have have given their lives in defense of this faith once for all entrusted to the saints. Uh, Phil, we've got a few moments left. Uh, A couple of quick questions. Are you optimistic about global evangelical Anglicanism?
1: Well, I am. I'm not always very um, optimistic about primates. (laughs) However, I am optimistic about the people of God. I'm optimistic about what uh, biblically faithful Anglicans can and will do together. And I'm uh, very optimistic and hopeful about bishops and dioceses partnering together um, in, a, in an ever-widening um, network of mission partnerships. It may be that we are facing the kind of times of, uh, of Athanasius. And um, it was it was hard to see hope sometimes uh, in the middle of that Aryan crisis. But, you know, he forged those kinds of relationships. The gospel was preached, nations were reached with the gospel, and ultimately God's word prevailed, as it always does. So, yes, I am hopeful. Optimistic and, and, and excited,
0: about the Anglican Church in North America?
1: I am. I am. I think we have so many good things going. Um, I I believe that um, uh, we have a wonderful generation of younger leaders coming up that are uh, ready, willing, and able to engage the culture. Um, I think that uh, uh, we have great resources to evangelize our neighbors with. I think uh, I'm seeing church revitalization happening, clergy um, leadership development happening. Um, I'm seeing more churches planted. So I believe that there's a great future ahead for the Anglican Church in North America.
0: If this uh, conversation about Anglicanism uh, is new to you, or you want to read some more, let me suggest to you uh, a book called "Reformation Anglicanism" uh, by uh, written uh, under the pen of some some very dear people, uh, all who I'd count as colleagues in ministry and friends. People like uh, Michael Jensen, Archbishop Ben Kwashi, Bishop Michael Nazarali, uh, Ashley Null, uh, John W. Yates. Um, uh, speaking about uh, uh, the conviction that the future of global Anglicanism hinges on a clear and well designed and theologically rich vision. Uh, and, and you'll read more uh, uh, about that there. But ultimately, what we've been discussing today, what I've been talking about with Canon Phil Ashey, is all about Jesus. Yeah. It's about him, it's about his love for us. So great. Uh, That he gave his life for us and beckons us and bids us, as Archbishop Cramner wrote uh, from those scriptures into the prayer book, to come to him. Come to me, all you who are weak uh, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's all about Jesus. Canon Phil Esche, it's been just such a joy to have you on Living Through the Word. I, I hope this won't be uh, the only time you come and join us. So much that I'd love to discuss. Perhaps we can uh, have you back in the future. I'd love to talk about your work with Canon Law and what that means to people, uh, your work at the American Anglican Council. So grateful uh, to you uh, for being with us today. Well,
1: uh, Bishop, it's, it's an honor to be with you and an honor to be your friend, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of those uh, uh, home toasted coffee beans that you uh, produce so very well. So long as you eat them with toast and marmite, oh, you'll be doing well.
0: I'll, I'll try the marmite. I'll try. I'll try. Brothers and sisters, I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Thank you.